Welcome to that Star Trek podcast. Your place for a detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. We have the scoop on what's happening with all of Star Trek, old and new. From the TV screen to the silver screen, we've got you covered. Now, on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for reviews, discussions, deep dives, and speculation of all things Trek. I am your host, Scott Madison, and please don't break up because of me. I am joined <laughs> by a by, by a full boat, a full bridge of, of crew members as we discuss two very short treks and two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks this episode because we uh, um, we we missed last week. Sorry, everybody. Um, going around the table to introduce everyone, we have uh, network founder and uh, badass emeritus Sean Ray. How are you? I got your orgy scene right here. How did I know that's what you were going <laughs> to say? It it is a surprise to no one. Um, joining us as well, as usual, always a delight. We have Nick Yeager. How are you? The chairs can detect if you're lying, so be sincere. Always. Always sincere. Like when I, for example, when I say it is a delight to see returning to the show, uh, my brother, Tom Madison. Hi, Tom. How are you? All right. I'm back. Uh, joining us once again as a very special guest. Uh, from the Star Trek Universe podcast, we have David C. Robertson. How are things going? Ah, uh, things are okay. Things are here. I'm here. We are all glad you are here. You sound less glad, but that's all right. No, I'm all right. I'm just, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's I don't know he, what to say. It's because he knows that we're about to talk about a very short trek. And rounding out our discussion group for tonight, we have the Admiral himself, Rick Tatro, how's it going? Enjoy hell, replicator. <laughs> Sorry, that one just caught me off guard because the scene itself uh, had me had me giggling when I was watching it. So, actually, now that I think about it, it could it, if we were doing a Stargate show, that would work as well. <laughs> I get it. I get that <laughs> reference. That's funny. Okay, so we are going to jump in. I'm thinking we did not discuss this beforehand. I'm thinking that we. Uh, tackle both of the very short treks first, and then we will get into the lower decks episodes. Anyone uh, object? Good. No one. All right. Sounds sounds great. We are going to begin with holograms all the way down. Uh, this is very short trek number uh, four, I believe. Uh, released on uh, September twenty seventh of twenty twenty three. Written by Aaron J. Waltke and directed by Aaron Hawkins. Uh, one cannot say that this very short trek really had a plot because it is simply a, a Russian nesting doll of, of holodeck programs going throughout the entire short. Um, I thought it was, it was cute and clever uh, and virtually without substance, but it was very nice to hear all of these... Uh, uh, Trek actors coming back to uh, voice their their characters once again. 
let's just throw it out for some general thoughts. I, these very short tracks don't really need more than than general thoughts because there's not much to them. So what did everyone think? I'm going to start with uh, Neek. I thought it was the best of the bunch. Nice positive words. Why do you think it was the best of the bunch? Well, because I can't see anything offensive in it, certainly. <laughs> and like, it wasn't, you know, hilarious, but it was cute. And it was nice that Prodigy was included. I mean, no surprise because Aaron Walke wrote it. Um, but yeah, it was just cute and fun and wholesome. It it, it was. I have to agree. Um, I enjoyed not not only was it all those things, because obviously it was, but we got another another example of them realizing the animation style that they are uh, parodying or paying homage to in these very short tracks. And when the prodigy character showed up, they chose to do, I don't recall the original Star Trek animated series doing this, uh, but it's been a very long time since I've watched them. Uh, But this is something that you would see from time to time in, in other animated shows of this style, like the, the filmation style where you have uh, an item or a character that is like painted rather than animated in the, in the same style as everything else and just placed on the screen. And it might move a little bit to indicate movement of the character, but it, it's clearly done in a different medium and inserted into the animation. And they did that with, uh, with those three characters from Prodigy. I thought that was to me possibly the funniest part of the of the short. I thought that they probably did that because they would get in a lot of trouble for animating those characters after they after they've shut that whole series down. But I just thought I personally thought it was a little bit lazy because it looked like they just cut them out of a picture and stuck it in there. <laughs> but uh other than that, I thought the episode was great. I mean, it was it was really short. It's the shortest one of the whole of the whole series. I think it was like two minutes long. It was done. The only problem was that they reminded us of the Enterprise finale. They had to remind us of that. <laughs> That's why I liked it was because they started <laughs> off by by uh, acknowledging how how the majority of the fandom is still pissed about that. And yeah, one thing that I that I would have changed is not. It's not a complaint, but the all these very short tricks were supposed to be like this tribute to the 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 animated series, Star Trek the animated series, and they were all supposed to be drawn in that way. And I thought when they brought the lower decks characters in, they should have been drawn in that that classic style. But other than that, I agree. It was good. Yeah, we we get that in this. Uh, short and in the next one yeah they're uh, they're in both of them well tandy's in both of them yeah yeah we have appearances by lower decks characters in in this one and the next one um and it does look a little odd that they appear exactly as they appear on their own show um that's that's the point of the that second the most recent uh very short track is the the difference in animation styles is sort of that's the gag yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah It, that that one makes a lot more sense, but for holograms all the way down, um, I'm not going to say that it detracted from it for me, but I I absolutely see where Sean is coming from, and I agree with him that it it would have been I think it would have 
fit in very well if they had animated the lower decks characters in the filmation style instead of the instead of the titmouse style. Um, anyone else, uh, Tom? You got anything you want to throw in for this? Um, just I would have liked to have seen the lower decks in the filmation style, um, and I, just just for the the novelty of it. And I, yeah, like Nick said in the last one, it wouldn't have you know it was there for a purpose, so they needed to keep it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I did like um, having all the other Trek cast come in there uh, in that holograms all the way down and being able to hear them. What, what I thought was funny is when I was searching for these on YouTube, the recommended videos right after the very short Trek were those uh, fan made animated episodes of Best of Both Worlds and then uh, Voyager's Threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where- or someone did those in that filmation style. And I mean, they should have just gone with those if they wanted to celebrate animated Star Trek. They, they should have just commissioned a few more of those. Mm. Uh, they, they were so well done. Yeah. Um, I think with, with that, I don't recall that there's anything else from this particular very short Trek that I wanted to, that I wanted to bring up uh, other than, to uh, agree with what Rick said, it was it was nice that they it it, it was funny that they referenced the Enterprise finale and the way they did it. Um, I think it's telling that in this very comedic uh, parody style that they've been doing for very short tracks, Riker's dialogue was virtually unchanged, uh, perhaps completely unchanged. They just took exactly what you saw in in the final episode and, and did it again. And this time it's funny. Do you think that they actually had Doug Jones, like come in and, and, and do that one line or you think they just yanked that out of an episode somewhere? I mean, I don't remember him ever saying in in simulation, but that's all he said. So I wondered if they just pulled that out of an episode. (laughs) I would assume that they had him record that because he's, he did some dialogue for a previous very short track. And these days it's not that hard to say, Hey, Doug, can you uh, give us a call and go into a quiet room and say a couple lines like this? Yeah. <laughs> because it, you, you can, you can take it off of uh, you know a phone or, or a Facebook live call or just do an audio rec- recording on whatever equipment the actors have and send it in. The audio engineers can clean it up to the point where it sounds like everything else in the episode. So, yeah, I'm sure that they that they got him to do that rather than rather than pull dialogue from somewhere else. Wrapping up that one, we're going to move on to I think now. Um, someone tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that this is the last of the very short tracks, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the yeah. last one. Five. Okay, they only only made five. So the final very short track, uh, which aired on the fourth of October, 2023, directed by Aaron Hawkins. Uh, there is no writer's credit on the memory alpha page, so I'm not sure who wrote it. Uh, but this one titled Walk Don't Run. Uh, this one is like the one episode that that calls out loud that this whole five episode uh, venture has been to celebrate the 50th anniversary of uh, the animated series. The original Star Trek animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, we have a misunderstanding on the bridge over a turn of phrase. And 
Scott, Rick, help me out because again, it's been so long that uh, I don't know the names of the other two crew members. There's Scotty and and who else? Er- Eric's and Morass. Eric's and Morass. I um, have three legs. I can run very fast. <laughs> I, I have three legs. I'm incredible at running. They believe that Tendi is is talking down to them and saying that that their show was bad while the new stuff is good. And then you know, someone talks about an orgy scene. And we all knew that was coming. And then we have appearances by Sulu and Riker. And then things just break out in a song. And the whole thing gets crazy. What did everyone think of this one? Rick, what did you think of this uh, final very short track? All right. All right. All right. I, I mean, it, it was fine. Yeah. Dave, what did you think of this very short track? Rick's oh, afraid he's going to start an argument every time he opens his mouth. <laughs> Dude, that, I, that is the least thing I'm afraid of. <laughs> I, I didn't see the whole thing. I... I it, it, it was going to be funny because I was going to follow yeah. up immediately by saying, oh, that's right. You didn't see it. But then other people just kind of jumped in and started talking, which is yeah. not really all that new for this show. Tom, what did mm-hmm. you think of this very short track? Yeah, they're done. <laughs> you and Rick, just we cannot shut you guys up tonight about these about these very short tracks. Just on and on and on. Neek, you probably, you've got to have something to say about this. I don't I care what it is, anything. I think it was meant to be like a parody or homage to 70s cartoons that always had musical numbers in them. Yeah. You know, like, oh, like right. the Archies, yeah. that sort of thing. I think kind that's, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, and the stock I, footage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I actually, I did think that was cute. I thought it was funny how, like you say, they, they put in that stock footage, you know, like the animals fighting, but they put it in as though it was them dancing. And so I, yeah, I saw, I thought those bits were clever. All right. Sean, what did you think th- of this one? I thought this was the best one out of the series. I, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. Uh, and the guy that, the guy that did Scotty, I thought he did a really good job. His name I'll is. Admit, Car- I thought that was, that was Chris doing. And I looked it up and it wasn't. Uh, no, it's Carlos Allen's Rocky. And he yeah. is. He's the original voice of the Taco Bell dog. <laughs> I mean, he's so done, a bunch, of, he's done a bunch of other stuff, but I I didn't really think it sounded anything like even a parody of Scotty. I, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> didn't care for that one. And then the one voice that I thought, oh, there's no way that's the real person. It actually was George. K. George K. Yeah. Yeah. I I know he's getting older, but that was a real stretch until he said, oh, my, which uh, he said it once or twice, I think, in, in that episode. Yeah, I was going to say, voices sound a little different from a deathbed. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. <laughs> uh, what? What? What happened? Huh? He's in good health. Have you seen those abs? <laughs> Nice. Um, I enjoyed the the extra long name for the uh, for the style of music that Riker's band does. I thought that was <laughs> funny. Um, I I didn't love the fact that they put like an entire song into that musical number. I thought with with the style of these very short tracks, uh, you know, a a quick little ditty rather than a full on song. Might have been more fitting, but I'm also usually 
not all that keen on uh, you know full musical numbers getting dropped into any program. If it's a musical episode like Buffy or Strange New Worlds, fine. I I know to expect it, and I can be prepared going in. Um, but it's something that's made it a little bit more difficult for me to watch. Say, for example, Bob's Burgers, when somehow the the production staff got the idea, hey. People like that song. Let's do another one. Hey, people like that song too. Let's do another one. And it's if I pick a random episode, it feels like I have a a better than even chance of finding one that has a full musical number in it for no reason. I feel like part of that is stuff like Rick and Morty will put out like have like a song in a montage or have like a weird song, and then they can sell it on iTunes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so everyone's homework. Go check to see if the song from this very short track is available on on iTunes. Don't don't actually do that because I don't want to know the answer. Does anyone have any final uh, words for this very short track or the uh, the series of five overall? I Thank God it's help. over. Yeah, I can't help wishing this had been the first <laughs> one because if this had been the first one, I would have. I mean, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I, I, I had forgotten. I forgot all about it, so I didn't rewatch it. I only saw it the when it first came out. And mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten about the Scooby-Doo song, Neek, so thanks for reminding me. And I got a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, overall, if if the, you know, and, and Dave, I think you're the one that, that mentioned this the, the last time you were here. Uh, you know, if this was supposed to be a tribute to TAS, it fell very flat for... Mm-hmm three of the five in my opinion yeah the last last two were like they were they were fine they were fine they were you know but i was already uh not thrilled with you know by by the time we got to the ones i liked i was already over with it i was done with it. i didn't didn't care anymore Mm -hmm. i wonder if um and we'll wrap up with this and then move on to lower decks i wonder if that it might have served them better if instead of doing five really short shorts in this style, if they made one special episode in the style of the original animated series and bring in, you know, characters from across the franchise from different series and different time periods, you could, you could couch it as an original animated series episode that happens to you know, bring in some time travel and have a bunch of people come in and you know tell all the jokes you want, make all the references you want, but you know make it a original TAS uh, special episode and just have one regular length episode and put it out and call that your tribute. Well, something or- that just occurred to me, um, you know, TAS was actually the first Star Trek I watched in real time that dawned on me last year, and it was sort of a Oh wow! Um, you know, I'd seen the, I'd been watching Star Trek for for quite a while in reruns, but TAS was the first Star Trek that I watched as it aired. Um, and I've always been a defender of TAS. You know, it, it's it's been shit on by history far more than it deserves. Um, and you know, that's that that we could go on. I could go on for hours about that. I won't. But I think the especially the first two episodes of this perpetuated the oh the animated series was crap so we're we can just you know even as a tribute to it we're going to crap on it and i think that may be a big part of why i had such a problem with with the the lack of 
cleverness, in my opinion, uh, of most of these short, very short treks. I don't find that, that these were crapping on GAS. I, I found myself wondering when, when you say, and, and Rick, this is not to say that I, that I think you're wrong. Cause I can, I, as I am known to say, I can see where you're coming from. I don't think I agree with it. Um, I'm thinking back to, I, at this point, I honestly can't remember if this is the first one or the second one, um, where Spock is in charge of the entertainment for, for, for the holiday party. That's that was the second, the second one. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, oh, the, yeah. The first one was um, there on the bridge and Butthead, yeah, yeah, b- bunch of misunderstandings. <laughs> I, um, and and thinking on that one, I at, at best, if they were making fun of the original animated series, then I would say they were what they were aiming for was to make fun of the way that they would design alien species on that show, and and that that's a that's a stretch for me to say that they're they're making fun of it for that. I'm wondering if just the way that they were leaning into the original an- filmation style, um, like trying to find all of the tropes that you would see in that animation style and make sure that it's on the screen for the very short treks. Um, it's one of those, I think there's a fine line between um, paying respectful homage and making fun. Yeah, and I you you saw it on one side of that line, and I saw it on the other. My sentence ran out at that point, but but yeah, that 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 sums up what I was going for, Rick. You, some people are going to be on one side of the line or the other. I think the I think the fact that it was so um, that it was treated as a comedy first of all, and then was such a juvenile, immature comedy was it kind of felt like it was disrespecting the animated series. I, I I think I agree with Rick on that one. Well, if, excuse me, in another, say, 15 years, excuse me, 15 years or so, they decide to uh, put out a series of shorts to lampoon Next Generation, then we'll see who's laughing then. Mm. But, you know, you know the, something else, though, is, you know, for forever and a day, they said the animated series wasn't canon. So is kind of funny that they made these you know very ardently said these are not canon <laughs> like another little jab mm-hmm. or maybe another little homage I don't know I don't know what the intent was I, I don't think the intent was to disrespect it but <laughs> they, they might have accidentally done so by mistake and yeah and, and I, I could see that I think the bottom line is we all hope that uh, if they try another uh uh, another experiment like this that uh, it goes a little bit better. I think there was a lot of room for improvement in in this whole miniseries. So if they try it again, we'll 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 see if they can zero in a little bit better. And with that, we close the book on very short treks. We are going to move on to part one of our two part main course as we discuss season four, episode five of Star Trek Lower Decks and Pathological Fallacies, written by Jamie Loftus, whom I have heard on so many podcasts. Uh, it's it's rather surprising. And directed by Megan Lloyd. Um, as normal, we're going to go around the table and we're going to see what everyone thought of this episode, just in brief. Sean, how do you feel about this episode? I mean, I, I liked it. Um, I thought that the plot was something that's been done a couple of times already 
with the whole Betazoid women, basically Betazoid women going through menopause and it's causing chaos around the ship. They did that on Deep Space Nine, which I know that there's that that's what Lower Decks does is is rehash old plots and make fun of them, kind of. But it would have. I thought that I would have liked to have seen him do something a little different. Neek, how did you feel about this episode? I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I disagree with your take, Sean, because, yeah, like the fact that it was, as you say, done before was the point. Like they were twice. It was, it was a misdirect, right? Because you think it's going to be the, um, I can't remember what it's called. The, Xanthi that, fever. Right. But then it turns out it's Bendai syndrome, which which is also something that's been yeah. done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess you could call it, you know, a ripoff or you could call it homage or you could call it reference. So I guess it, it depends on one's perspective of, you know, do you like it when your lower decks is, you know, calling attention to something that's been done before and, you know, poking fun at it? Or would you rather they just purely come up with their own ideas? I want to clarify i don't think that they were ripping it off because this is what lower decks does i mean that's what and lower decks revisits stuff that we've seen on star trek a hundred times it's just the fact that this particular thing we've already seen revisited at least once in star trek then i just wish they had done something else but, but, but they didn't though but that was the point they were saying like at, you know at first they think it's that a thing that's been done before but it turns out it's not at all and so, and these women were not going through whatever syndrome. Yeah. They were actually secret agents. And it was the Vulcan woman who was projecting her emotions and making everyone freak out. It's so also wait. been two weeks since I saw the episode and I forgot about that part. But <laughs> I, think, I think the important thing is they're trying to say it's always the woman's fault. <laughs> Either way. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not sure how I felt about them, uh, I guess, deciding that the way Loaxana is or was is just standard fare for Betazoid women. I, I'm, like I said, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm not sure if that enhances or detracts from Loaxana's outlandish personality. Like, I get the gag that, oh, it turns out this is perfectly typical behavior and, like, maybe all high-status women on Betazoid are, you know, an exaggerated version of, like, the real housewives. Yeah. (laughs) But, so, like, I get how that's funny, but I also wonder if, like, I don't know, there there was something so unique about Loxana, so singular that to now retcon that turns out she was just like super basic. Again, I feel like it, it, it takes away from her character and it also makes um, Deanna's reactions to her a bit more bizarre because if Deanna grew up on Betazoid and like, and she grew up in a social set where like everyone is like this, again, I'm not sure she would have that that exasperated reaction. I feel like she'd be a bit more like, "Oh, here we go." You know, here, you know, here's my mom. You know, being her. So I, I don't know. Like again, I don't have this thought fully formulated because I, I'm of two minds. Like I, I got the gag. I thought it was funny, but I also wonder if it takes away from Loxana. My question though is, 
were they actually like that because they were secret agents? Were they just mimicking someone Federation knows of who's renowned, like Waxana? And right, they were fair enough. That That's how I saw it. It was they, that was their they they knew that Waxana's brashness was something that that the fe- that a Federation captain would put up with, and so it made a good cover. You know, was, maybe, maybe also a bit like. Speak- Sorry, are also a bit like Bruce Wayne acting like they, like that. Yeah. No one will suspect they're Batman, you know? That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, I, I was having the same thought as, as both of you that, uh, well, they, they were, they were being characters, uh, while they were conducting this mission. But, um, I also feel that who they really were outside of the characters that they were, uh, masquerading as as part of their mission was not given a whole lot of focus so it was it it was especially the first time I watched the episode very easy for me to see them as how Neek described them first and secret agents second because that that's how we're introduced to them and they are Luaxana like for so much of the episode that it's easy to forget that they're not really acting that way by the time the episode comes to an end. That's not what you remember. You remember them acting like the Betazoid women that we've seen already. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but even in their private telepathic communications, they were being pretty catty with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, were they, that yeah. might have just been stereotype. <laughs> I'm sorry? Um, well, I was wondering if writing them that way was just kind of falling into a stereotype but i think that tom has a a much better point that's probably more in line which is they were also being affected by tavana's bendai syndrome Mm. Mm -hmm. and now that i think about it that makes a lot more sense that it would be because of uh, them reacting to the bendai syndrome rather than being written stereotypically because this episode was written by Jamie Loftus. And if there is someone who's going to uh, take great care when writing female characters, it's going to be her. The you know co-host of the Bechdel cast, uh, a podcast that reviews movies and television shows through the lens of the Bechdel test. Uh-huh. I, I would really uh-huh. hope that she would get this sort of thing right. So, yeah. I got to give it to him for picking out uh, great actresses for the guest cast this, mm-hmm. that week. I mean, Rachel Dratch is, uh, I mean, if you watch Saturday Night Live in the last 10, 15 years, you know who she is. She was m- most well known for the Debbie Downer skits that she did on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Janelle James is on Abbott Elementary. And then Wendy Malick is, I always think of Just Shoot Me with uh, Wendy Malick, but I know she's been in a thousand other things in her career, but Van Horn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know, we, we didn't actually make it all the way around the table. So let's finish that up real quick before we, uh, uh, dive any deeper. Um, Rick overall, what'd you think of this, uh, this episode? I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, I, I like the references. I like, you know, we, we've seen the crew lose their shit before, but, they managed to do it in a in a slightly different way, and we didn't see naked Boimler, so I was cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tom, what did you think? 
Uh, yeah, about the same. I, I enjoyed it. I only watched it once and honestly forgot we were going to talk about it until uh, you mentioned it in our intro. Um, no, I it, it was... Uh, I agree with everyone. Sean, Sean's comment about the, the guest stars, um, the guest cast they had there was great. Mm-hmm. Um, in our group chat, for anyone uh, listening, I still say it would have been awesome if... You, did see Rutherford when he runs by the captain? It looked like he was flipping her off and he's going no. <laughs> On the rewatch, I really thought I saw it for a moment, so I know exactly where you're coming from. I yeah, I looked I, really close when I rewatched yeah. it. I I could see how it it. it I didn't think it the first time through, but after you know, it's kind of like when you're here with the the audio the the audible. Uh, mental illusions where like you just hear the sound and then someone says if you listen for this you'll hear this so yeah, when I saw yeah, it this yeah. time I, I was Green looking needle. for it yeah it did look like he was <laughs> had the birds flying but but yeah. it wasn't <laughs> and uh, finally Dave uh, just overview thought what'd you think uh, well first of all I, I love that I was here to watch uh, Scott mansplain about the Bechdel podcast. Um, <laughs> that wasn't mansplaining. Was that was just me I, trying to give... I know, but it was Me funny. telling people what the show is about. Like, do you know what the Bechdel... T- no. Um, I like this episode. <laughs> Not everyone knows what the Bechdel cast is. Okay. <laughs> um. No, I enjoyed this. I love uh, Gabriel Ruiz as uh, was her name Talin. Is that right? She's Talin. Yeah, they've been doing such a good job fleshing her out as a character over this season, and uh, this episode was uh, really good. It was it was no exception. Uh, I felt like it was like super dark to give her uh, Bendy syndrome. Uh, Nobody cares. Like, yeah, what? like <laughs> um. My 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 co-host Matt on Star uh, on Star Trek Universe thinks that it was like a possible early onset Bendy, like that she didn't actually have it, but I was pretty certain she did, um, or that they were, you know. But he thinks they were just kind of likening it to that. So the the dialogue was like there are Vulcan things like Bendy syndrome, but they didn't actually. Yeah, they never actually said she had it. Yeah, I hope not. Because I yeah. like her character. And I loved her on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She was fantastic. I didn't realize that was that was her until this week. Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, I, my, my wife and I used to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She was great on that. That was a great was show. That, that, that was a web show, right? No, no. it was no, it's television. Show. In, oh, okay. It's solid. Give it a shot. Go deep dive it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Now, throughout this episode, um, yeah, I was trying to take notes on, like, you know, where are some plot points? What are some interesting things to discuss? And for this one, I really only managed to take a lot of notes about just, you know, things that you notice on the screen. Some are, are just visual gags and, and some are in the dialogue. Um, like, for example, I noticed um, during the opening scene when they're escorting the uh, the Betazoids that when, when the one makes a comment about sturdy crew and is <laughs> making a bit of a pass on Jack, that whalebone went right up his crack. I mean, yeah, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they, the, the animators made it very clear what was happening there. Um, I liked that we get a dialogue reference to Angel One. I liked that it was a, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, I liked the Malcolm Reed puzzle in uh, the security <laughs> quote unquote training program. Clang goes the batleth against the armor of your heart. <laughs> that, that's it's been getting a lot better in workshop. Um, and one small detail that that I noticed, and I it's not a funny detail. It's not a reference to something. Uh, it's it's just a, a a thing, a detail that they put in that I I really appreciated seeing uh, in in the bar when everyone is is going nutsy and, and having their party times, there is a female Starfleet officer in Operations Gold standing on top of the table, and she is wearing an Operations Gold hijab. Yeah, we've seen her before. Has she been on before? I, I missed it. Is she the one with the with the, the, the visor as well, or is that another? No. That's another one. That's another person. Okay. Not not the one that I saw in this episode. I know we saw it, the, 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 the woman with the visor a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Uh, in this episode but yeah we've seen we've seen the 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 hijab before okay well that i was not paying close enough attention unfortunately um i like like when the betazoid i don't remember which one it was the uh i think it was the one that um rachel dratch was voicing and she made a pass at ransom and he's like oh yeah i you know i get off in 15 minutes ew you're too easy to get (laughs) (laughs) I like it when they're hard to get. Yeah, I, now you see that—that's where I, like that. where I kind of got the impression of they were they were putting on the facade of Lawaxana, but as soon as as Ransom called their bluff, they're like, uh, "No, no, sorry, that was you weren't <laughs> supposed to want that." Yeah, <laughs> that was supposed to make you uncomfortable, and you'd go away. Yeah, that 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 was fake. I was just faking it. But I don't know. I you know they 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 were they were kind of vague about about the whole thing. But it's it's yeah it's lower decks, so mm. they don't always explain everything. Right. Another thing that I've always felt needs better explanation because it's uh, presented to us in so many different ways. The neutral zone doesn't always make sense. Yeah, the Romulans are allowed. To- <laughs> Yeah. Okay. See, I love Excuse it. I, I love that Rick knows exactly where I'm going with this and he's already there. And then I choked we, myself to death. <laughs> we can't enter the neutral zone. It'll be an act of war. If we enter the neutral zone, we have to stay out of the neutral zone. It's very important that we don't enter the new. Oh, look, the Romulans are in the neutral zone and they are like meters away from our side of it. The Romulans are not allowed to be there, but they do it anyway because they're mm-hmm. Romulans. Yeah, and they know the Federation is not going to start a war because they're in the neutral zone, even though they're not supposed to be there. Whereas, if the Federation goes into the neutral zone, the Romulans will use that as an excuse to start a war. That's why the Romulans are always hanging out in the neutral zone. That's a good and point. And it's a, it's like that across all series. Like every time they yes. even get close to the neutral zone, here they're like decloaking, like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, we are here waiting in the neutral zone, the place where no one's supposed to be, just in case you enter the neutral zone. There's Romulans, that, there's Romulans that spend their entire career just sitting on their side <laughs> of the neutral zone, waiting. It's to Go catch to a federation. We'll, we'll lurk there. <laughs> to catch a federation. What are you doing here today? My favorite part of this episode was when they like leave the neutral zone and they're like, oh, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go lurk over there. <laughs> okay, they didn't enter the neutral zone. What did you expect? Let's go to sector 87. We'll lurk there. Um, an- another really nice touch that that I noted. This is, I think, the one freeze frame that I did to make sure that I could take down all the details is uh, Shax's set of tarot cards that Boimler is using. Or that Shax is using to give Boimler a tarot reading. Did anyone take a look at those cards? No. I feel okay. like I did, but I don't remember because it was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I don't. So it, I uh, don't store shit. Right. Um, they They had a a, a standard um, uh, pattern for, for one of the many standard patterns for a tarot reading. And I took a look at all the cards. A normal tarot deck is going to have four suits, which is going to be wands, swords, cups, and coins. Or pentacles. Depending um, on the, the deck. Y- y- yes, uh, pe- pentacles, coins, they're, it depends on, on what deck you're looking at. Yes, good, good catch. I, I um, used to use the Crowley deck when I did shit like that. Ah, uh, yes. I have the Star Trek The Next Generation deck. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but for this particular deck, instead of, I'm assuming, cups, uh, they are orbs. Like the, the Tears of the Prophets. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the, the orb of That of always time, messed with my whatever. head that they, they called them orbs, but they were shaped like hourglasses. And yeah. Bajorans, <laughs> you know? They're weird. Um Let's see. And amongst the other cards in that reading, we had uh, one with what looked like a moon on it. And that one was the Derna card. And Derna is one of the moons of Bajor. Uh, you had the Borja, which is Bajoran for ghost. Uh, one card for the Celestial Temple. One card for invasion. And I couldn't quite play. If there was a direct reference to something with the picture on that card, I didn't get it. But my favorite card in that uh, reading is the emissary, and the the figure on that card looks exactly like Cisco. And on the table in front of that character, there is uh, a long stick or wand, there is a long dagger or sword, there is a chalice or cup, and there is a coin. And on that coin is a Starfleet Delta. Mm. Okay. So. Details within details. That was that was my favorite card of the reading, and now I want that whole deck. So I'll just <laughs> keep my eye on Etsy. Someone will eventually design a Bajoran tarot deck with those cards included, and it'll be a lot of fun. Right. And if they don't, you can design it. I could. <laughs> I could. And then I will get uh, hit with a, uh, probably with a, a cease and desist. Nah, have you because seen Etsy? Have you looked up Star Trek on Etsy? Yes, <laughs> lousy with copyright infringement. <laughs> I'll be the lucky one that gets that gets busted. Yeah, yeah, I've been that lucky one. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, I look at all that, and they're like, nope. Hell, you can't what, do that. What about this guy selling the shirts of Scotty drinking his beer? Like, no, no. We're going to let that guy stay. He's been up for three or four years, but we don't want (laughs) your shit online. (laughs) All right. um, I'm quickly running out of details that I noticed in the episode. So um, are there any other things that other people noticed? Uh, References, Easter eggs, um, any other plot points that we want to 
bring up? Nope, I'm good. Nothing. No. <laughs> Tom, I don't remember it, it well enough. <laughs> give us something, Tom. You're being you're being the quiet man. Uh, per memory alpha, <clears throat> and I'm looking at a screen uh, shot of that tarot deck. The other character on there was supposed to be Lee Nala. All right, a Joran freedom fighter. Okay, mm. okay, okay. I can maybe, but I fulfilled my producer role for this episode. <laughs> yep. Well, well done. I I have the page for the episode up on Memory Alpha, but I didn't read it all the way through. But you know that makes sense. Um, I'm I'm picturing that card in my head from when I looked at it, and it's got Lee Nala's hair. That's for sure. Wait a minute. That card had the one figure in the center holding, I I think, either a sword or a phaser. Mm-hmm. And he had Lee Nala's hair, and there there was a pair of legs in the foreground now that i think about it those were they had to be naked cardassian legs so that was um uh whatever the the name of that of that gull was that he killed um who who had just finished bathing all right dudes you are getting deeper than even i would go talking about warp drive let's go (laughs) I'm a guest. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Gideon, Gideon Adlon. Gideon Adlon that played... Uh, well, I was Paul, doing this Paul Noel song. Paul <laughs> um, Bold, which I'm not... I, I think this is a character that we've seen before, but she was mm-hmm. in this episode. Gideon Adlon is the daughter of Pamela Seagal, and she was in the TNG episode Who Watches the Watchers. Oh, so there's oh, a little, okay. little piece of... She played OG. Mm-hmm. In that episode, nice. That was one of the best TNG episodes. That was one of the best Star Trek episodes. Period. Yeah, it was, it was very, very good. Um, last two details that I noticed, I enjoyed. Um, during one scene, running through the hallway, we saw two people that were apparently in a half-naked Ambojitsu match. Yes, because they had the red and gray. Uh, what I still to this day believe is uh, '80s era motorcycle. Yeah, uh, motocross padding. pads. Yeah. That motorcar. There you go. Um, and apparently, when Kayshawn runs, he does a Naruto run. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yes. That's all that needs to be said about that particular episode. Overall, nice. I liked it. Well, and, well the one thing I'd, I'd like to mention before we move on is I like that we are now fully acknowledging the Death Ship. And after the next episode. Oh, were you going to get to that? No, no, no when you're done. Oh, okay. Uh, in the next episode about the Death Ship, I'm really starting to go in, get into the "it's not killing people" camp because when it took when it did the Ferengi ship, it it could that that effect when it showed them from the inside could have been beaming them away as well as Mm -hmm. destroying them. Mm -hmm. And along with the 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 fact that they arranged this ahead of time with uh, Jeef. Um, yeah, that that lends to the theory that they are not necessarily uh, killing people straight up. Um, I also took that note. But the thing that I forgot to mention, um, it, did anyone else find it odd that the Betazoids, before they leave the ship, uh, you know, they are <clears throat> intelligence operatives for Betazoid, or for Beta Z, and they are part of the Federation. And here they are just straight up withholding 
important information that could help the Federation in this investigation. Oh, by the way, we got to look at the ship here as a, as a little gift, because you were so nice, we're going to give you a present. It's a picture of the ship that's been killing folks. We decided not to share this with anyone. Well, that's what special operatives do. They hide yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, I just, I got the impression they didn't get a chance before everything started going haywire. We all remember Colonel Flag from MASH, right? <laughs> Smash! We'll have more discussion of the Death Ship as we move on to Season 4, Episode 6, Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. I don't I know. think I really understand the title, if it's a reference to something. It I'm is a reference. Uh, I, will, I will look it up while you uh, continue your introduction. You- you uh, it is a reference. The title is a reference to the 2004 British horror parody series, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, sure. I can't I believe mean, oh. I didn't catch that. They were just desperate to make that a joke somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, oh, my God. Someone in the writer's room just like binged that British show over over a two week period and said, oh, we have to make a joke of this. Yeah, and they've been pitching it as the title for every episode of the season. <laughs> like, Jesus, okay, yeah, fine. Because yeah. Marengi and Ferengi, they rhyme, so we have to, you know, we have to do it. <laughs> Written by Cullen Crawford and directed by Brandon Williams, uh, we have Ferenginar making uh, making overtures to officially join the Federation, and we have our lower deckers being sent to Ferenginar to uh uh to for what travel guide duty that's what it was um to visit places and write about them for the Starfleet travel guide and um it doesn't go well for really any of them um going to go in reverse order to get general thoughts on this episode Dave what did you think of Parth Ferengi's Heart Palace and I'm never going to say the whole title again I have never felt uh, closer to Boimler than I did in this episode. I'm like, hey, here's my list of things to do. Oh, there's a screen on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, All is lost. I was so happy to see Rom and Lita. Can we just have a spinoff with them? Like, they were just delightful the entire episode. I, my heart was very full, to quote Michael Scott. Mm. I wanted more... <laughs> Um, I miss those guys. <laughs> they, they, they were a joy. Um, even though, well, I don't know about other people. I could tell that Max Gradenchik was not wearing his Ferengi teeth. I knew you it's, were going to say that. It's fine. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> because he's still great. Um, and I, Chase Masterson, I, I think, is just uh, lovely inside and out. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, um, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to uh, pick up some of the stuff like... Um, Mariner's behavior uh, in the future episode. I'm sure that she's going to be having a a realization or an epiphany coming up. Um, and the, all the stuff with Hendy and Rutherford, uh, you know that it was just they've been hearing hearing the fans. I, my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter has shipped the two of them, even though I know we're against that as, as a you know, or at least there are some that are militantly against uh, those two getting together, possibly. And uh, 
I think this was them addressing that, and the no, it's not going to happen. But uh, I, I thought they had a good time with it, and I really enjoyed that uh, Federation Experience uh, restaurant they went to, and seeing all the little uh, homages in the background. Uh, lots of little details. Um, yep. Like the the Jeffrey's tube entrance here, red shirts. Um, I know there was a. Uh, Guardian of Forever in the background. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I missed that one. But uh, purple. My my favorite uh, little detail about that restaurant is if you're listening closely, the Jerry Goldsmith theme is playing in the restaurant. Hmm. That's the the ambient music that they have in there. Um, Rick, what did you think of the episode? I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on this one. Uh, the stuff I liked, like Ram and Lita, uh, the, the 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 star, the Starfleet experience or whatever. Which have any? Did any of y'all make it to the Star Trek experience in Vegas? No, oh, I, I wanted wish. to. Oh okay. my god, those ships hanging up there. Oh yeah, that was the entrance. So yeah, I, I managed to get there once a couple of years before it closed down, and uh, and that was the entrance was a, a Galaxy class and an and an Intrepid class right at the right at the opening. I got to see pictures in Star Trek Communicator magazine. <laughs> That's as close as I got. Um, they also had a, a a a an Enterprise refit. They didn't have a, a an original Enterprise up there, but it was still. I mean, they were like you know twenty feet long. These these models were huge. It was awesome. Um, I, I, overall, though, uh, it was all right. It wasn't bad. It, it's largely forgettable. I don't like where Mariner's going. Um, I thought we had kind of done that with Mariner a couple seasons ago and actually sort of backsliding. Um, and, and yes, I, I was very anxious that this was going to end up with Tendi and Rutherford thinking, oh yeah, we do love each other. But I, I liked how it ended up where, how it just, that was okay. That was okay. It did, you know, I don't want them to, to be anything other than friends and that's where they are. And I'm, I especially I, love the the ending. <laughs> You're like laying on top of each other and like, yeah, this the, is better. <laughs> this this feels right. Um, I, I I give I give credit to the writers that they they had me going. They did have me thinking that oh, are they going to have a realization and start dating by the end of the episode? But they, I think, I think they did have a realization, but they suppressed it at the yep. end. Yeah, I think they suppressed it because they didn't want to not be friends or whatever, because I mean, Rutherford said you have beautiful eyes. You know, I think they realized that they do have feelings for each other, but at the end of it, they suppressed it because it's a cartoon and you can't really have character growth in a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely think, well, I don't agree with that. I think they have been slowly growing the characters Mm -hmm. and just like with Mariner and that not being time for her to completely have unpacked all of her baggage she still needs to be backsliding and trying to figure out like what the hell is going on with me. Like Tendi and Rutherford, I think they, they very clearly like had these moments where they were saying stuff that are like having these little like micro realizations and then blushing like, ah, shit. Yeah. Like, I, I think they're just not ready to risk the friendship and risk what they have to delve into that yet. I think, th- I think they probably are in game at this point, the way that they were, kind of fleshing it out, but, and I'd be, I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy with that. They're adorable together. 
even if they're if it's like they're like asexual or something, but they're like still an asexual couple, like that that's some representation we need. I mean, I'm if if they do it if they do hook get together and they do it well, I'm not going to go like I'm I'm boycotting this show. I just I like them better as friends, but that's I like the way this episode ended up. Yeah. I, the, the the interplay between the characters I think is great. Um if they decide like as the series is coming to a close, if that's where they want to take the relationship of those two as we're coming into like a series finale, then I think it would be it, it would be fitting. But it would be dicey to try to do it sooner because there are way too many tropes that that any uh serialized show can fall into uh when you have main characters that sort of relationship because then you're gonna get relationship tensions and arguments and it's going to be a whole plot line over something that should be resolved in two minutes. And Nick, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> well done. Looks like David had something to say. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, he always has something they, to say. Since they've been doing the, like thematically <laughs> been doing Star Trek one, two, three, four, they should have Tindy and Rutherford get together out of nowhere in the middle of season five, like Uhura and Scotty in Star Trek five. <laughs> that's all <laughs> nice it um that brings up a not specific for for this episode but um for the series overall um i i'm still enjoying how the the marketing for each season is designed to mimic the marketing for the original movies uh one two three i Season three is my favorite because they did like the, the glass sculptures of the faces like you had for Spock mm-hmm. and a lot of marking for that. Yeah. That's, I, that's always stuck in my mind since, uh, search for Spock came out in theaters was that particular marketing with the glass Spock face. It's always stuck with me. So when they paid homage to that, I, I loved it and they're keeping it up with season four and they'll probably do it again next season with season five, which might be the last season because they really have no idea if they're going to get yeah. renewed for a six one. Stay tuned to find out. Take two. Neek, what'd you think of this episode? Uh, I'm with Rick about the Mariner storyline. I'm done with Mariner being a f- up. Like that's, I never found that funny. I never liked that about her. And so I'm, I'm over it. I, I was enduring the parts with Mariner. Um, the parts with Rom and Lita, I was, it was funny. I mean, Rom being obsessed with baseball was hilarious. Um, and I, I'm so, I, and I liked the resolution to that one, like that, you know, it's all a test. So that was good. Um, the, all the, um, the Ferengi tourism stuff made absolutely no sense but it was so funny. It was so good. I mean, all the stuff like the, the, I mean, the the parody of, you know, a rom-com where two people have to pretend they're in a relationship and then they inevitably fall in love. So the misdirect and then, you know, they decide they don't want to be together and all that weird stuff with, I can't remember his name, the bird guy. Migly Moo. I mean, it was just that entire storyline was so absurd. It was delightful. Please don't break up because of me. But I was, <laughs> I was, I was twice. But many, yeah, many times I was, I was just like, this just, 
I mean, how long has Ron been Grand Nagus? Because like it doesn't feel like enough time for Frankie to be that um, humanized. But I was like, whatever, the gags are funny. I'm going to go with it. And But I did like, I don't know if any of you caught it. There was like in the love restaurant, briefly, you see in the background a naked Frangie woman. And I was like, yes, thank you, finally. Because up yeah. to that point, I was like, are you even going to acknowledge, you know, traditional Frangie society? So I really liked that they threw that in there. And all the stuff with Boimler in the hotel room, I mean chef's kiss mm-hmm. like you said dave i mean yeah getting caught up in a tv show when you're meant to be doing something else we've all been there and him making fun of like ads and tv shows while something very akin to the paramount logo is behind him yep mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean I, I took a note of that one because oh, I, I, d- I didn't catch that no, i missed that oh, yeah he says they, they can put products right in the show it's well, like I mind the control i didn't see the the yeah, yeah. The there's a the the wall art hanging behind him in his hotel room. It's it's the Paramount Mountain with stars, and the stars twinkle after he says it. Ding ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this episode was the Dominion War Memorial, and it wasn't names of people they lost. They were like it was prophets that they lost during the war. Mm-hmm. And the one for Iggy, like, so many lost profits. <laughs> Dude, that was, that, I was laughing so hard I had to stop the show for a minute. <laughs> I, I did like Mariner's line at that point where she says, wow, you Frankie really are on brand. <laughs> <laughs> the, you, um, um, the, as far the as first the first season, I'm sorry, go ahead. Dan. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to answer Neek's question. The first, <laughs> the first season of uh, Lower Decks takes place one year after Nemesis, which was, four years after the end of Deep Space Nine, and this is four years after that, so so Rom has been Grand Negus for eight years at this point. But well, didn't didn't Zek out, didn't Zek make it legal for women to wear clothes on Ferenginar when he got with Moogie? Yeah, but that was not yeah, but before. So that was, that was maybe ten years. Yeah, and there's a difference between something being, you know, legal or illegal and real cultural change it takes more than a decade for a society to completely upend well as far as but, like whatever the, but it's fine yeah I yeah mean, as as far as like the women I, I like the idea that the women almost wholeheartedly just accepted clothes were like no thank god finally we're wearing clothes <laughs> i like that idea even if it's not necessarily realistic i mean men stop shaving lines in their eyebrows pretty quickly we used to do that, or we didn't, but guys used to do that. You know what I wish anymore. You know what I wish had stuck around for for us men. Uh, those like really like finely crafted cod pieces, <laughs> like with like lions' heads. <laughs> Star Trek did get rid of the scant rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the episode? Uh, I liked it. I like. I mean, I. I, I it wasn't one of those episodes that I laughed out loud a lot, but I did uh, I did find humor and I appreciated things. Uh, I'm like Dave. I, I really enjoyed the the Boimler storyline, even though that was like the the C plot of the episode. I found it to be the most humorous. Uh, you mean they can actually just lie to you? You're like, yeah. <laughs> it was less humorous for me and more depressing and relatable, but yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> 
the 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 especially the Ferengi TV stuff was almost like right out of Futurama. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, expecting yeah. a Slurm commercial. <laughs> no, we well, didn't they did have Sluggo. We they had, had Sluggo. Yeah, we had Sluggo Cola. This happens to Sluggo. everyone who drinks it. <laughs> lots of advertisements <laughs> and signs for Sluggo Cola. You had the um, the commercial, and then you had the product placement for it in the show. There were signs outside while uh, Mariner was walking. Jack was drinking a bottle at the end of the mm-hmm. episode. Um, and Boimler was, I'm sure he had Sluggo Cola uh, in his hotel room, but he was also eating Sluggo chips. It's possibly, according to some, uh, one of the least intrusive uh, <laughs> pieces of evidence that J.J. Abrams was involved in this in some way. Yeah. <laughs> Does Sluggo come from something? Is it something? Oh, yeah. It came mm-hmm. from from Lost, right? I mean, it's in all the J.J. Abrams stuff. Oh, okay. Because okay. in, in Star Trek 2009, Uhura meets Kirk going up and, and ordering Sluggo, a couple of Sluggos and, and rum, rum and Sluggo or something like that. The the, the bartender okay. recommends recommends Sluggo. Yeah. Sluggo yeah. Cola is from Deep Space Nine. Sluggo Cola is from um, freaking, it's in Cloverfield. It's in all of J.J. Abrams stuff. Yeah. I, I remember it having um, a, a big presence in the the viral marketing for Cloverfield. Yeah. I don't remember it in DS9. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe it is. It was. a whole episode where they have a jingle for it. Sluggo Cola, the slimiest cola in the galaxy. Contained. Sluggo Cola was a brand of Ferengi soft drink that contained 43% live algae in every bottle. Uh... Let me see. She's right. It was from Profit and Lace wow. Space Nine. That's so why I don't that, remember because I hate that goddamn episode. So JJ uh, uh, Abrams probably lifted it from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. That gives them a little more cred. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know at what? Least that's, they're not eating fish biscuits. You know, if that, you're gonna take something from Lost, at least it's that's what I always skip too. So I don't <laughs> Okay, yeah, producer, and laces, anyway. producer Tom. Producer Tom, do a little uh, a little internet foo and try to figure out which came first: Sluggo Cola in Profit and Lace, or Sluggo Cola in J.J. Abrams' properties. Go. While he's working on that, <laughs> it's like the nerdiest version of the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> um, I remembered what it was I was going to mention earlier, and this was uh, connected with uh, Neek pointing out that. Uh, it, it was good to see a Ferengi female with no clothes. Don't take that the wrong way. Don't take that out of context. Um, but to, to show that was you know, so some, good. Pe- some people are still uh, are still following the societal rules that that came before uh, Z- Zek started making changes and, and Rom took over. I also found it interesting that uh, it didn't take very long in the grand scheme of things for this hotel that Rutherford and Tendi are staying in. There's a female changing room with a female wardrobe. Why would a Ferengi hotel room even have a room for women to change their clothes? I took note of that when watching the episodes that there should only be one room point of order. Um, the lost thing was slush show, not sluggo. Oh, the Lost and and Cloverfield. J.J. Abrams a has been slush show? slush show in all his oh. stuff. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's then close. in that case, if 
Okay. If it's Slusho for Abrams and Sluggo from Prophet and Lace, then the now Star Trek 2009, that was that was on because I know that the bartender recommending that particular drink to Uhura was a JJ Abrams reference. So that would have been Slusho. Well, yeah, directed that one. Sluggo being all over this episode <laughs> is referencing Prophet and Lace. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, to be fair, in like two or three instances, I did say I don't remember on this episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm also like, can I just say it looks like one Rick is holding a, a TOS phaser. I am. And but two, it looks like he's drinking from a Love Is Blind chalice, like one of the golden cups <laughs> from Love Is Blind. That's just that's just totally what it looks like. <laughs> I, You're being I, I filmed right what, now. I don't know what Love Is Blind is, but uh, okay. Sure, you don't. I don't. <laughs> Is you met your wife in a pod, reality? didn't you? Reality television. Oh. Yeah. Then I'm glad. Girl, I'm some of the best trash TV. <laughs> but yes, I am playing with a phaser. I, I... <laughs> yeah, he does that when, when we start getting on topics that really no, just, I just, I just, haven't, I just, I found it. I found it. I was going through a drawer and I found my phaser and I, I keep it. Rick on. is always playing with his phaser. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's and, always playing with something. That's why I have to wear glasses now. He's always playing and, with something. I'm just glad it's a phaser this episode. Yeah, and he's already done the uh, putting the phaser to his head, ready to end it all. He, al- already earlier. Recorded. Oh, you did see it. All right. Of course I saw it. I choose to ignore it. I'm not here to make I'm not here to Archie Bunker. I'm not here to podcast what you want to podcast. I enjoyed uh, when Rom... Uh, they called him Grand Nagus, and he said, "Ah, oh, call me Nagus. Okay, Nagus, Grand Nagus." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that, I, I have well, to that one line actually made me laugh out loud. That that one part, yeah. <laughs> Chase Masterson, her voice has changed a lot since she was on the show because I I didn't think that was her until the the end credits, and it was. Like, I oh, think she's like she's like sixty years old. Now, I know, I, I know. Everybody's voice changes, but she she just didn't. I it didn't. I was like, oh, what a shame. They, they got Max Grodenschick, but they didn't get Chase Masterson. And then the, the, the credits ran. I was like, oh, that's her. Okay. I don't know I, if you've heard, Rick, but uh, voices sound a little different when you're in your deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I've heard her on like lots of podcasts talking about her, her charity product. Uh, the, the, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now. The, the Heroes or something. It, it's an anti-bullying uh charity and it's really fantastic i've heard her on lots of podcasts and she yeah and and that charity work is what i meant when i said beautiful inside dave oh <laughs> well I think, unfortunately, she have, I think there might have been a, a thing she was going for with the character in this because she lita was kind of an airhead on deep space nine and i think and she was obviously not that anymore yeah, she's I, much much smarter than she used to be i think, she, I think was always, she was always smart but she was yeah, playing, she was always smart. playing the role she okay. was always smarter than than what was often being presented in the episode, and I think that Chase was affecting a higher, lighter uh, voice. And, yeah, tone, and that, that's voice. what I was talking about. I yeah. mean, it, I'm not saying that she sounded like an old woman; she just didn't sound like Lita to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she she was not putting the same affect on her voice. That's for sure. <laughs> Did anyone notice while they were setting out all the? the hors d'oeuvres and the appetizers for the, the signing ceremony. And out oh, Neek noticed it. That's right. I want that charcuterie board. Oh, the <laughs> enterprise. Yeah. 
<laughs> the, the Enterprise Shaped Charcuterie Board, which uh, is available in tons of places on Etsy. <laughs> that was a fine thing. Mm-hmm. And I was um, like, if I ever served meats or cheeses, I I would buy that board. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other things that were that were noticed by me in this episode, uh, Rom and Lita, instead of having Mehardu, the Hupirian uh, manservant, um, this one doesn't have a name, but they have a female Hupirian uh, servant that mm. that follows around with them. Um, we got a reference to Moab Four. The 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 new regime on Frangadar makes uh, <laughs> makes Moab Four inside the dome look like Moab Four outside the dome. Yeah, I meant to look that up, and I, I which, which 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 is that Moab Four is the planet from the TNG episode, the Masterpiece Society, or as I right. call it, the boring one. Second the boring season. second season. Yeah, there's only one. No, that's like <laughs> yeah, that's there? what I was thinking, Sean. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> That would that's be a, season, that'd be season that five, season five, episode 13. Oh, five. wow. Okay. Is that yeah. far in? Okay. Um, yeah. It's the, the domed genetically, uh, right. uh, like very specifically, uh, genetically designed society, like the perfectly genetically the designed society. society. Yeah. It's that's a, the one a, where they accidentally piece of bland clothing and bland people. Yeah, that's the one where they accidentally uh, had a pro-life message and got a lot of hate, and Rick Berman had to come out and say, like, no one on here meant to do that, you know. Because it was, the, it was uh, Jordy saying, like, huh, well, if I saved your society, and I wouldn't have been born in your society or something like that. Oh, that's right. There was a, a yeah. It was like whole stellar like, core whole fragment was heading for the planet, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I remember that a, part. <laughs> there was a, a a a lot of Rom loves baseball talk in this episode, which I know Rom played baseball in that episode, the Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite episode, and everything. But Max mm-hmm. Grodenjeck is actually he was a professional baseball player, so I think he I think he might have like wanted to put some of that stuff in there or something. It, uh, it, yeah, because in that episode, in that episode, they made Rom play left handed. Because they didn't want to show how good Max was in <laughs> <laughs> actually playing baseball. <laughs> Let's see. A couple, anything else that I noticed? Um, oh, uh, when Rutherford and Tendy were trying to come up with uh, cute names for each other, Rutherford gets a little bit flustered and calls her a muffin top. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I thought that was, that was a clever little joke. Um, and uh, we had the... Don't There's forget some... that Mariner ordered a dagger of the mind on the rocks. Dagger of the mind, yeah. Oh, I loved yeah. that. <laughs> I loved dagger. that. It it was hard for me to remember that because I I'm in agreement with uh, others on this panel that uh, this is not the first time that we've seen Mariner uh, being self destructive and either not knowing why or pretending not to know why and very willfully refusing to look at the situation in in a healthy way that we, we, we we've seen no. this before but dagger so, of the mind is a tos episode title yes i i know yeah. but it's it, so i, I, I recognize the reference but i wasn't okay. really thinking of it here because a lot of the mariner stuff i was kind of already quietly erasing because it's just mariner getting in her own way again yeah because she 
apparently can't be happy with with anything if she's being shot on by her superiors then she's mad about that and if she's being supported by her superiors then she's mad about that she has to be mad at, at everything all the time and there is such a thing as enough of that and dagger of the mind is actually the origin of the vulcan mind mill nice catch tom say your thing all right uh (laughs) nick brought this up with with mariner and that you know we've been there done that with her you know her self-sabotaging behavior Uh, maybe i'm remembering the previous season wrong but i don't it seems like there's there's more from mariner's character about this than her her behavior in the previous season so it, I, I don't know, I don't get the impression that it's been done before, that this has got a different feel to it. Like, there, you know, she was purposely doing it before this one, you know, it's going to, it's something deeper, I guess. I, I'm not verbalizing it very well, but surprise, surprise. I, I want to see if I, if I'm following you at, at all correctly. It sounds like you're saying that in previous seasons, she has been getting in her own way on purpose and she knows why, but doesn't want to say. Whereas this time, she's getting in her own way and even she doesn't understand why she's doing it. Yeah, I think so. I I, I just don't, I don't know that it's a, we've seen this, we've done been through this story before. I think that there's going to be more to it. I think some of it's got to do with the fact that it's a, but when you're doing a sitcom, which is what Lower Decks is, if you let your characters grow too much and they change the di- it changes the dynamic of what was successful in the beginning, and then you start running into things like having to introduce Cousin Oliver to <laughs> to, to to come in and redo some of the uh, some of the stuff that was that that fans liked from the beginning. So if if Mariner just started becoming a model officer and not having her demons or whatever, then it would change a lot of what was successful from the first season that, that people liked, you know, so. I'm not expecting her to become a model officer by any stretch, but we're kind of, she's kind of going back to season one Mariner. And I, I agree. I, I, I dig what you're saying, Tom, the, the, that even she doesn't know why, I just wish they could pick a different way of showing how she's uncomfortable in her current situation without just totally backsliding to, you know, a, a, and ignoring two seasons worth of development. Well, okay, I think I'll that's what that. I, I think what they're doing though, is that like now she's sort of stuck in this position where Ransom's going like, I'm not going to demote you. You have no choice. Like you are on the, you are on the track. Like you are, you're not going to be demoted. You are stuck. And that's how she feels. So like now she's like rebelling. She's going even more more against the grain back to like season one. Like they're they're ramping up to something. There's some reason she's doing all this. She feels this way. Could it but that's be what people do in real yeah. life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 if it if it ends up paying off in a in a in a good way, and I'll look we'll look back on this at the end of the season, I'll go, yeah, I was totally wrong. Right now this is not the Mariner I want to see, but yeah, if, if it pays off later, that's, that's cool. Could it be that because we've seen Mariner in, in many instances over the past seasons, 
talking up how capable she is. And other people have said it too, that she is a very capable officer and she's been to a lot of places and she's done a lot of things. Could it be that now that she finds herself in a position where she has been promoted, she has an XO who is who is behind her legitimately and wants her to succeed and wants her to uh, rise in the ranks. And now she's realizing that it's all been bravado. While she does have a certain amount of experiences and talent, she doesn't truly believe that she is cut out for for advancement. Could she be afraid that, oh, if I have a supportive XO, then I might eventually become a full lieutenant or a lieutenant commander? I I I can't pull that off. I'm I can't actually do that. I've only gone so high and then I've sabotaged myself and gotten busted back down to Ensign because she's scared of actually it, it's it's a fear of success. Mm-hmm. Does anyone think this that this that's a maybe? It's possible, yeah. sure. It could be a fear of commitment. Of like because you notice her parents don't live together. They're still married but they're off on their own separate career trajectories. Like they never see each other. Mm -hmm. If she gets to be a captain, will she be alone forever? You know, there's so many like ways they could take this. Yeah. That that's, that's an interesting angle to take. If I, if I advance too high, then I'll be, I'll be alone. Like my parents. Yeah. Not bad. That, oh, then you, you, she's also actively sabotaged every relationship that she's gotten into as well. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she very ardently does not want anything to change with her, her friends. Like, mm-hmm. she wants them to be in the lower decks forever. Yeah. No, just stay here where I am because that's where I'm more comfortable is with you guys down here at my level. Which is what uh, Tindy and Rutherford are doing. Like, it feels like this whole show is sort of like about people pushing beyond their comfort zones and learning how to be productive and <laughs> well-evolved people. Yeah. Well, it's like you, we, we want to advance these characters to a point, but we don't want to advance them too much because the show is still called Lower Decks. And, we and you know, we want our, our main characters that we've been following to be the Lower Decks throughout. So maybe if we get the... If we get the the news that season five will be the last season, then they won't be afraid to, you know, do some of that, that growth in those last 10 episodes or something. Well, also, you know, you know how fandoms are. If like you change too much too quickly, people start crying foul and being like, it was unnatural. Yeah. The growth wasn't natural. It was lazy writing. Yeah. 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 So you've got to go to snail's pace. You can't let anyone have like a real, Epiphany. Hey, mm-hmm. Sam and Diane slept with each other like episode five. So, <laughs> yeah, and then they were on and off again for how how many seasons? Five or five six seasons? Like yeah, five seasons. Yeah. All right. the The last bit that I want to bring up, potentially a downer, but this it'll probably be another example of me thinking too much about stuff, and everyone thinks that it's stupid that I mentioned it. Um, not stupid. Even even, even considering. Nice. Even considering that this is Lower Decks, this is a half-hour comedy series. I thought, personally, I thought that there was a little something missing, a a missed opportunity 
when you have Ram, you have Lita, and his son, her stepson, was the first Ram, was the first Ferengi in the Starfleet, and there was no mention of Nog, no uh, you know, reference to or uh, a bit of. A, there, there's a word I'm looking for and I can't find it. Um, uh, acknowledgement of Aaron. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't yeah. have had to be much, but just a, a little something. Uh, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I don't, the, the, it really didn't lend itself to discussing. Yeah. And, and that, that's the thing, considering it's an episode of lower decks. I, I, I was simultaneously thinking, I wish that they would at least, you know, make some mention, make some reference. Yeah. They could have dropped a line, like at the point where Rum said that he would go ahead and sign the contract. If he had said something like, I love Starfleet, my son's in Starfleet or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, either my son is in Starfleet or my son, you know, my, my son was in Starfleet something. It, it would have been really hard to find that balance point because it's something I, I wish that they had said something about, but at the same time, look at the setting, look at the context. It it might not be a good fit. It it would be a a, a big tonal shift for a half hour animated comedy to take a moment and get real about Aaron. Also, Star Trek hasn't had to deal with is even though Aaron is no longer with us, Rom is or uh, Nog is still alive. If they Maybe. if they if they deal with that, then they have to you know essentially open the box and see if the cat is there. Um, it, Nog, yeah, Nog. We don't know what happened to Nog, but we know that he did well enough that they named a ship after him in what the thirty second century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. He had to have done. He had to have been kind of a big shit at some point. Like he had to do something. Now yeah. maybe that was well, a sacrifice. Well, we know if they, we know if they, reboot, if they, if they brought back Deep Space Nine, they were going to kill him in the, the first episode. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel you. I kind of want. I thought that would be nice too, but I don't know where it would have fit. Yeah. And not and, and so I weird. I do not have you don't, a solution for this. You don't want to trivialize it. No, but if they did put if they did put something funny about Nog in an episode of Lower Decks, I think it would be a good tribute to Aaron Eisenberg because I think he would have loved that his sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I think he would have loved the show. You know, on this particular subject, I'm noticing a lot of silence from Neek. Do you have any anything to add in? That hadn't occurred to me, but now that you mention it, yeah, absolutely. It is a wasted opportunity. You're right. They could have very easily, you know, when they opened the negotiations, it's like, oh, we're so happy to have Ferenginar in the Federation. You know, your son was the first Ferengi in Starfleet, and, and that really started the ball rolling with us wanting to get you in. Mm-hmm. That would have worked, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like That, that I would have bought, yeah. I like yeah, Scott's suggestion. Be- I love Starfleet. My son is in Starfleet. That would have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, or someone on the Starfleet side trying to maybe curry a little favor. You know, hey, I served with with Rom years ago, and you know, he he told me so much about you. And moving on, he hit me with his prosthetic leg. I 
<laughs> well, didn't they? They kind of they did. They, they kind of had like a little nod, weren't they? Uh, wasn't someone trying to recalibrate a self-sealing stem bolt? Yeah, there was. Yeah, that was the beginning. was yeah. Yeah, you mess with these so much, they probably won't even self-seal anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that Rom didn't make anybody kiss his little head in this episode. Raising. That was listener. She's talking about the episode. was a that was a double entendre, but I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> On that incredibly mature and uh, <laughs> and highbrow note. I think that brings us to the end. Unless anyone else has anything that they want to mention. Nick, it was nice to see the Genesis device. Oh, yeah. yeah that, was, that was funny. The, the portable, the portable Genesis one. device. Yeah. <laughs> and I, the, I didn't, I haven't looked at it, but it, I think Jeef was also voiced by Eugene Cordero. It sure sounded like him. I kept looking for or, um, any of the other Ferengi in the episode to have been voiced by someone else like i thought i heard ethan phillips in there but they, they all sounded vaguely familiar but they also may have just been doing ferengi voices but uh eugene cordero um did blango jeef was voiced by eric bauza he did dar and jeef and eric bauza looking at his but cordero I mean, did one of the ferengi yeah, he's been he's been in Prodigy and and the very short treks and stuff like that. But Cordero's been on uh, Wait Wait Don't Tell Me a few times. He's fun. He's he's very smart. Tom Kenny, who is famous as the voice of SpongeBob, um, was in this episode. He was Quimp, and oh. he was the Ferengi view screen announcer. Okay. Also, I, I, another scene that made me laugh was the fact that they were going to make uh, Rutherford and Tendy have sex in the in the little booth. We're not gonna we're not gonna watch, but we're just gonna make it. We're gonna, just gonna listen. That would be creepy if we watched. We're just gonna listen. <laughs> the the most noteworthy, I would say, would be Parth, the guy who's uh, in the restaurant dealing with Tendy and Rutherford, voiced by Dave Foley. Yeah. Yeah. Really? That's um, Mr. Boy. <laughs> All American Boy. From News Radio. I know. News he was Radio. In other stuff. No, News kids Radio. In the Hall. No. I know he was in Kids in the, in the Hall, but I don't I never watched Kids in the Hall. I watched I News Radio. I did watch Kids in the Hall. You know what? News Radio for the win. News Radio yeah. is one of my favorite <laughs> shows of all time. News oh, Radio is great. Oh, come so on. Good in that. Better than the chicken lady. Yes, I actually saw kids in the hall live. They did a live tour one year and I went and saw mm-hmm. them when they, they went through South Florida and it, it was great. They were hilarious live. It was awesome. Out of all of our dozen of listeners, oh, there's so many of them that are listening to Dave and saying, I'm cracking your head. <laughs> we're huge in New Zealand. <laughs> And as all of us on the Zoom call watch Neek crushing someone's head, and we all wonder whose it is. <laughs> I have a headache. Yes. <laughs> I feel like she's been doing that the whole the whole cast to all of us. <laughs> How about the whole series? Okay, so I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of that Star Trek podcast. Let's go around the table. 
and tell all the listeners where we can find all you various peoples. Um, Tom, do you have anything that you want to share with the folks? I know you don't have a show of your own. I no, I don't. So that's I guess, harsh. Uh, <laughs> Tom, I thought you Jesus. were gonna do it. I thought you were gonna do a podcast for that uh, that show that's on Prime that I can't remember the name of now. Uh, the internet type the upload. Yeah, upload. That's it. I yeah. was yeah, I, and we recorded all of one episode that went like <laughs> three times the length of an ep- of an episode of upload, <laughs> and then never got to it. But I do understand season three is coming out soon. So. Are you saying that I can be long-winded on a podcast, Tom? I am offended. Oh, and then you put the two of us together. So. Yeah. Is it laying next to several episodes of I'd watch that for a dollar? Absolutely. <laughs> I thank yep. you for, I was, yeah. <laughs> Along with Geekly World News. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> thank you, Tom. That's now you good. see, there's no question that's, that's that, good that Rick did give you the finger. <laughs> All right, which one of us here recently posted a show they said that they were going to do? I posted a show. Uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Moon show. Moon show. And so Moon did show. you, Rick. Well done. <laughs> I mean, I put on my normal bullshit that I say I'm going to do. <laughs> Neek did. What what did you post, Neek? Uh, that's my way of saying tell people where they can find you online. Stay right here with the Infinite Potato Alliance and listen to Moon Show. Moon Show. Moon Show. For All Mankind podcast. And if you like Star Trek, which you do because you're listening to this, go to superanemic.com and read my Star Trek recaps. By the way, did you change the spelling on Super Anemic? Didn't it used to be A-E-M-I-C? I don't know what you're looking at. I, I thought when that, that would be that would not be anemic. That would be amic. Amic. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I, I thought it used. To, I, th- I thought you used to use the uh, European spelling of of anemic. No, I've always used the American spelling. Oh, okay. He does, however, say aluminium. There you go. <laughs> and she says Z instead of Z. Rick, where can people find you online? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me right here on this show. You can occasionally find me on Captain Game Show. You can find me on Cosmic Potato. And for the month of October, every week I am releasing myself recording a spooky story. It's called Spooky Stories with the Admiral. It's on the Cosmic Potato feed. And I hope you enjoy them. And if you don't, um, I'm going to do it anyway. So. Is it like you going like, yeah, yeah, I was at the store and uh, I was standing behind this lady and she was uh, paying in pennies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. uh, the, the, the first one I released was uh, that that came out this weekend was HP uh, Lovecraft's In the Vault. Really? The next one will be uh, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, very nice. I'm not sure. What stuff the, that you know you won't get in trouble for. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much aiming for public domain stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, do you have anything that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, um, I, I mean, you can hear me here occasionally um, on Cosmic Potato when we do that. We haven't done it in a while, and I don't know when we will do it again, but we will. But uh, I do want to plug that... Uh, once a month for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be re-releasing episodes of the Prime Direction. Um, 
podcast that I did for a while. Scott did for a while. I'm going to release those. Uh, hey, I did interviews. one. Yeah, yeah, I released <laughs> yours last month. This month, I'm going to release another one. I don't remember who the second person that I interviewed was on that show. Uh, so you got that to look forward to. And also, um, when we are done with Lower Decks, we will have several months until Discovery comes out. And we are going to fill some of that gap with the Orville. So there's three seasons of the Orville, and we're going to go back and watch those and uh, compare it and contrast it to, to uh, you know, Star Trek. So there you go. We're going to do right. that. And uh, Dave, special guest Dave, where are all the oh. places that people can listen to you? <clears throat> Okay, so uh, Star Trek fans, I do Star Trek Universe. Um, I we talk, me and my buddy Matt, we talk about um, all of the new stuff. We've been talking about Star Trek since we were six years old. We're just recording it now, and um, I, I'm also doing original series reviews on the same podcast with my friend Effie Ophelders. She's never seen Star Trek, so. We're getting her fresh takes on this uh, as we go. And I think we, we just, uh, what have we just put out? The Naked Time. And we'll, we'll be continuing that uh, through the gap of new content. So come and check us out. We're not talking about the Orville. We're talking about Star Trek. <laughs> we'll come over here and talk about the Orville. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're we. I'm also on DC on Screen. That's my DC podcast. And if you want to see my shitty art drawing with Dave on Instagram, it is not shitty. In fact, I, I was one of your. I bought one of your artworks. I keep. I haven't printed it up and framed it yet, but. I Dave's was fishing is, for the compliment. Fishing Dave's for the compliment. Fantastic. <laughs> we have two. We have three <clears throat> amazingly talented artists on this screen right now. And they're all me. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny because it's self-depreciating. <laughs> I myself have a piece of Dave Robertson art uh, hanging up in my house right now. Uh, you do. <laughs> do, do not read into the fact that it's hanging in the bathroom. <clears throat> <laughs> That's how I felt about it when I drew it. <laughs> oh, it was one of those pictures. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. that's gross. Sean is <laughs> gross. Hey, you're the one filling in the blanks with your mind. All I said was it was one of those pictures. Weirdly, I you know, the first thing I thought of was like, it's labia with toes growing out of it. And that's... It's not. But that's what I thought of. <laughs> As for me, you can find me hosting this. You show made it well weird. You made other. it weird. <laughs> That's my don't, favorite thing to do. Don't <laughs> sing other podcast theme songs on this podcast. We're not cleared for that. Pete Holmes is going to sue us. Hey. In addition to hosting this show, you can find me various other places on the network. Oh, I was, I was going to say Pete Holmes can't afford to sue anybody. Yeah, Holmes. really. <laughs> he's got to do a commercial. He's got to do a commercial for for some CBD lotion. To, to get money to do that. <laughs> Thank you for listening, downloading, hopefully subscribing. Please tune in next time as we discuss the next episode of Lower Decks. Uh, thanks, everybody. Goodbye. 
Thank you for joining us for that Star Trek podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Contact us through our Facebook group by searching for the Infinite Potato Alliance. And be sure to join us again for another episode of that Star Trek podcast. Scott's getting pissed. Dave, I appreciate you being a greater agent of chaos than I am. That's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing. And he also brings it out in others. <clears throat> Sean. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I'm a I'm a we bad know that We know that when I when I come on lately, I just come on to make to make fun of Rick and to be a dick to everybody <laughs> else. I mean, it's it's like the color episodes of the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Andy's a dick. <laughs> Chase Masterson, I, I think, is just uh, lovely inside and out. Um, I got to talk to her a little bit at uh, last creepy. year's. Uh, <laughs> that was so creepy. That was so creepy. She's lovely inside and out. <laughs> mm, I, I cut her open and took a gander. <laughs> Dave's going full Conan over here. (laughs) I'm just giving it a moment so John can easily cut that out. Shiny organ bobbles. (laughs) John, don't you dare cut that out. I guarantee he won't. Tom, help us, Tom. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it. um, I'm curious to see how they're going to uh, pick up some of the stuff like... um,